You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Jackie. People like to believe in fairy tales. You ready? Of course. And you? I believe that the characters we read about on the page end up being more real than the men who stand beside us. Okay, everybody, that was the trailer for Jackie. Uh, It is the new film from Pablo Lorraine, and the story is as follows. A searing and intimate portrait of one of the most important and tragic moments in American history, seen through the eyes of the iconic First Lady, then Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy, known for her extraordinary dignity and poise. Here we see a psychological portrait of the First Lady as she struggles to maintain her husband's legacy and the world of Camelot that they created and loved so well. The film is starring Natalie Portman, Greta Gerwig, Peter Sarsgaard, Max Casella, Beth Grant, Billy Crudup, Richard E. Grant, and John Hurt. It is directed by Pablo Lorraine and written by Noah Oppenheim. Joining me for this review, I have Will Mavity. Hey, guys. And Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. And so, with that said, uh, let's pass it off to the person, actually, who is the most fresh on the film. I just saw it, I believe, was it last night, Will, or... It was last night. So take it away, man. What did you think of Jackie? Jackie is absolutely an interesting spin on a very tired genre, which is the biopic. Uh, I, until this premiered at Venice, was expecting something along the lines of a Grace of Monaco or Diana kind of film. And then, of course, expected something bigger after the reviews. And then after a number of people were underwhelmed by it, and then it underperformed the awards. My expectations were tempered. Ultimately, I would say I liked it quite a bit. Um, You guys had both mentioned off-air and in previous episodes that you thought it was 100% the Natalie Portman show and that there wasn't much to the ensemble. I would disagree. I thought it has a strong cast overall. I thought Peter Sarsgaard, though his accent is occasionally inconsistent, gave a very layered performance as Bobby Kennedy. I thought Natalie Portman was absolutely stellar. And I thought Pablo Lorraine had a very complex direction that made you feel the PTSD, the madness, and the uncomfortable nature of how Jackie Kennedy felt. I cannot think of many shots that made me more uncomfortable this year than the close-up of Natalie Portman talking with John Hurt's priest by the lake, where the camera squishes them together so it looks like they're about to kiss really put me in the uncomfortable mindset of a woman who doesn't feel like she completely belongs anymore at the White House. I like the narrative offering kind of an idea of a woman who's had most of her life out of her control, finally getting to control something. And I thought the costumes were excellent. The grainy 70s cinematography was interesting. Some of the shots were among the best I've seen this year, particularly the close-up of Jackie slowly wiping blood off her face after the assassination, the editing following not so much chronological order, but rather following 
what Jackie is feeling and or discussing at that moment was an interesting direction to take. There was very little I didn't like about the film. I, I, I wouldn't call it truly great, but I would say the overall product is very good. All right. And Kristen? Um, I, I mimic a lot of what Will said. It's I watch a lot of biopics, mostly the horrible TV variety for my, my blog. And I always tend to get a little weary when we see figureheads, specifically with women in biopics, because if you've seen one movie about Marilyn Monroe's tortured inner life, you know, you've kind of seen them all, and the same can be said with other icons of femininity like Grace of Monaco or um, Princess Diana. We love to see these women brought low and try to kind of go back to, like, the root of it all because we have to have some sort of explanation for why they are the way they are. And I loved that this doesn't do that because Jacqueline Kennedy, I'm a big 1960s snob, um, specifically with, with JFK lore, and, you know, Jacqueline Kennedy was such an icon of the generation, but she was also very, very bound by persona, even after JFK had died and she married Aristotle Onassis and a lot of people said that was inappropriate, that she was going around with the, with other men, how dare she? So I was, I was very interested to see how this movie tries to give us the woman without having it be like her, just like, I'm going to take my top off and do crazy stuff, you know? I, I didn't want them to go, like, to the extreme. And the movie... The movie is very respectful. It demonstrates a understanding, and whether that understanding is who Jacqueline Kennedy really was or not is up for debate, but it certainly tries to remove the veneer of what most people thought she was, which was the very picture-perfect right arm of JFK who was trotted out at parties and was a clothes horse, and there's some great scenes where she's allowed to explain her methodology and explain that she was groomed for this type of position. Um, there's some great lines of dialogue between her and Billy Crudup um, that really explain things. The actual technical procedures of how to deal with uh, presidential assassination, I think, are really interesting because too often we've, especially with JFK narratives, we get kind of the Ollie Stone approach, which is, you know, the conspiracies. We don't actually get, get to see, like, the day-by-day -day of what was going on in the aftermath in the White House. So I really enjoyed that element, the rise of Camelot and how that became so ingrained in popular culture. Um, there's a lot of interesting things, but I think what people tend to forget when they say they don't like this is that we don't get to see depictions of feminine grief told in a way that's not involving her dropping to her knees and like screaming or getting lost in alcohol or something like that. We need to have, we assume women grieve in like either stoic pride and like, you know, stiff up her lip or they just become drunken sops. And this, I think, does both of those methods very, very respectfully. It's an, and I think that might make it sound somewhat austere but at the same time, it's giving a woman who is so tightly guarded a chance to be a human. And it allows women to be human and to have moments of suffering and 
you know, doesn't judge them for it. So overall, I was really impressed with this. A lot of people will say that Pablo Lorraine really arrived a couple years ago with the foreign language film No. Uh, this is his first film in the English language, and I think I can honestly say that I think he has now truly arrived on the scene as far as a talent to watch. Um, because with this film, I think he crafts something that is truly remarkable here. It's not only a layered character piece, but it's also a film that has such artfulness to it and such refinement in almost every single technical area of production from the cinematography that is shot completely on film uh, that, that matches the time period by uh, uh, St- uh, Stephen Fontaine to the costumes the, the the hair and makeup the the sound work um, i mean pretty much every level of this film is firing on all cylinders here mika levy's score my god i mean for those people out there that are a fan of johnny greenwood's score for there will be blood this is what you've been waiting for right here this is you know unsettling uh, and very eerie music that is also um, really, really integral in giving the film character and an identity and helping to just establish the mood. And the mood is one that I think is keeping it out of the conversation in many areas that it should be considered for, mainly best picture and best director. Um, and it also is probably maybe even turning some audience members away. And that is referring to the film's uh, melancholy and morbid tone. Um, this is a very, very dark film. Uh, it's also a film that really, really uh, dives deep into questions of morality, legacy, preserving that legacy. And if anybody's just, you know, uneasy about confronting the very nature of mortality, I think they're going to have a hard time watching this film because that is what Jackie Kennedy is forced to confront with the unexpected death of her husband and then also preserving his memory um, through this um, series of um, of remembrances, the funeral, um, and also just talks with other people. Um, she wants her husband to remember for a you know a great man that he was. And by extension, we also get to see what a strong and also complex character she was. And I I just find it really fascinating in many ways that you know JFK by Oliver Stone is one of my favorite films of all time and. You know, that's a film where you walk away thinking so much about the death of John F. Kennedy. But there was never really a moment where I got a chance to ask myself, well, what about his wife, Jackie? Well, this film gives us that side of it. And I just think it's completely fascinating. It's one of the best uh, portrayals of a fully fleshed out character I have seen on screen in recent years. And that is completely backed by... Natalie Portman's performance here, which for my money is the single best female performance in a leading role for the year. Oh yeah. It's truly transformative. Um, the accent takes a little while to get used to. It is a little rough at times, but I mean, she sounded a lot like that in real life though. She had a bizarre, not bizarre. She had an unusual voice in real life. It's a very clipped kind of mid Atlantic type of, 
Um, it's why people, when they say they watch, like, old classic cinema, they always wonder why people talked funny. Like, yes. that's, that's kind of what it is. So it didn't really so bother me. Too, you know, like, the sort of, uh, like, <laughs> I mean, like that, if you watch her White House tours, she totally sounded like that. And it's so fascinating, too, that, um, those moments in the movie where, um, they show the White House tour. You know, I, I mean, the editing in this film is definitely being unsung in the way that it takes the three timelines and cross cuts between the three. You know, her interview with Billy Kudrup, uh, the White House, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, the White House um, tour. tour, thank you. <laughs> and also uh, just a direct aftermath of the assassination and the, and the plans for the uh, funeral. I, I, I think it's just masterfully well put together in so many different ways that it constantly had me um, not only appreciating its technical elements, but also thinking about um, my own mortality and my own legacy as well as a human being. Obviously, I'm not president of the United States or anything like that, but uh, this is something that we should all be thinking about is the mark that we're going to leave behind on this earth when we're gone as well. And for there to also be uh, other tragedies in Jackie Kennedy's life and dealing with her children as well. Um, that's another thing to also uh, keep in mind and tie into this and in that there are some of us that may or may not be able to create a legacy, um, certainly maybe not on the level of John F. Kennedy, but um, this film is very much in dealing with death. And I, I think that it has... <laughs> I think it's got balls for doing that, uh, especially for um, a film such as this uh, that's obviously getting some mainstream attention. But it's also very contemplative and very, very thought-provoking, and I appreciate that for it. A lot about uh, myth-making, too, which I liked. I like that it acknowledges that we are getting an unreliable narrator through Jackie, too, which I thought was an interesting thing to acknowledge you're doing in a biopic oh don't um, don't print that <laughs> yeah, right yeah, would you just tell a billy quidrup up like he's like can i can i print that no <laughs> i said that exactly. and then uh th- even before that you know as soon as he comes she doesn't let him in the door until basically um he agrees to allow her to redact and edit everything that she said afterwards um so i thought that was also interesting that from the start we are told that this is history as Jackie remembers it, not necessarily objectively how it was. I thought that was an interesting direction to take a biopic in. Um, I like that we didn't have any kind of, you know, Jacqueline Kennedy remarried and died of cancer after the uh, face of life. Yeah. It's just, this is what it was for Jackie Kennedy in that moment. We don't need the rest of her life. You know, we, we know who she was as a person from this period in her life which I thought was an interesting way to kind of buck against the biopic tropes, and I like that. Kristen? Well, I'm trying to figure out where where to take things, especially, because I think there's so much to unpack. But the element of, yeah, what Camelot being this creation, um, it allows... I, I don't think we can ignore the fact that the script allows her to control her narrative, which is too often something that is written by men, especially in a historical context. And she's given an opportunity to write her own story effectively. Um, For me, I loved the way that she's kind of torn between how 
between being a first lady and being an individual because I think that a lot of movies, especially with a wife character, are written in relation to their husband, and this is kind of writ large historically in, in her life. Um, you know, she has that scene with Billy Crudup where she says that she doesn't own things, that the things that she owns don't really belong to her, and you know, you see how she tries to control what little she can. Like, there's a moment when um, they, they're planning the funeral, which a lot of the movie's kind of core crux um, involves funereal decisions, um, but letting her kids go out the front. Um, and she, I mean, she was uh, definitely judged for that. And the movie brings that up, that she kind of trots out her children um, to, to make people feel bad for her. But at the same time, you know, she's, you can see a little fire in Natalie Portman's performance when she says, I want them to see these two fatherless children that have had their father taken from them. Uh, and again, in a political timeline like we have right now, where people are so divided over politics, it's kind of like an FU, the closest thing the movie has to showing kind of of uh, art imitating life, imitating what's going on right now. Oh, that's a very, very good comparison you make there. Um, I definitely like that this is a story that isn't um, told paint by the numbers, that there is a great deal of complexity introduced to it, not just structurally in the way that the story is told, but also through this woman taking control of the story, as uh, you were saying before, um, and how we don't often get to see that. And then also that identity crisis of um, should she be what everybody expects her to be as the first lady and have this level of dignity about her or as a person does she uh just want to you know just pretty much take off take off her clothes and parade in the white house uh drinking and listening to music and it's it's very interesting as to what uh, personality she is exuding and to whom and to, and why in certain scenes, is she being Jackie the person or is she being Jackie the political figure? You know what I mean? And effectively she has to be both throughout the entire, entire movie. We talk about women written to be either wife or mother and it has to be, you know, those two things or, or she's a free spirit that rejects all that and thus she's unhappy. This movie doesn't define her at all in that element. She can be spiteful. She can be sentimental. She can be, you know, irresponsible. And it doesn't, it doesn't condemn her for that. If anything, kind of some of the men who make the decisions around her are the ones that are wrong. Like um, Peter Sarsgaard, who... Yeah, he doesn't get the accent right at all, um, and he doesn't look like Bobby Kennedy except for some hair on his head. Um, but you know, when he's he's trying to protect her from the knowledge that um, that why do I keep wanting to say John Wilkes Booth? I know that's not correct. Who's the uh, Oswald? <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. Thank you. I'm horrible for not knowing that right now. Um, that he's been killed, you know, and he says he doesn't think that she should know, and she gets irritated that you know people are keeping information from her about that. Or um, John Carroll Lynch, who plays uh, LBJ, who's he's so good in that role because that character's such a scumbag. Um, you know, the, the element, the, the concept of, he's like, oh, I'm really sorry for your loss. Can you move out now? You know, I mean, there's, you're, you're just, you're not sympathizing with these male characters. You're sympathizing with her. And I think that that's very strange 
to see in in a movie with a female protagonist. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> That's why it's so satisfying when she does finally choose to basically drive the decision on the fu- on the funeral procession. You know, she forces people's hand. And, you know, it does come soon after her talking about, I don't really own anything. That was the thing she owned. I mean, that I didn't live in the 60s, but as I understand it, that was also known as Jacqueline's doing, which I thought was really cool. It was the perfect thing to have as kind of the climax of the film. Um, you mentioned John Carroll Lynch, too. I just want to say, um, in the case of LBJ's wife and in the case of JFK, that was some of the most spot-on casting I have ever oh, seen yeah. on screen. As two people who looked like those real-life figures. I mean, they could have stepped right out of a photo. That was the most anyone has ever looked like John Kennedy, I would say. Oh, yeah. That that completely took me by surprise. Absolutely. It was something else. Um, You know, uh, Willie, you were mentioning before about the cast of characters in this film, other than Natalie Portman here. Um you know, I remember when I saw this film back at the New York Film Festival, I had this rough idea in my mind that Peter Sarsgaard could have been in contention for Best Supporting Actor. Unfortunately, that idea never really took off. Um, do you feel that he could have or should have been in the conversation more, or, or were you a little lukewarm on him as well? So here's what I would say. I think the film honestly deserved a few more mentions for Best Ensemble. Because I thought that on top of Kennedy or on top of Jackie Kennedy, you know, all the characters are played well. I thought Greta Gerwig had a very nice presence, and I thought she was somewhat memorable. I thought that Sarsgaard's accent may have been off, but I thought he embodied Bobby Kennedy well. Um, as I said, I thought LBJ's wife was spot on as far as an impression goes. John Carroll Lynch doesn't look anything like LBJ, but. He got the towering, angry presence right in that scene where he faces off against uh, Peter Sarsgaard. I thought it was very... uh, Crudup's always good, very underrated actor. I thought it was all well acted across the board. There is no one that I would nominate from that film for their performance other than Portman, though, I would say. I was going to say, you got to say other than Portman, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. She is my personal win at the moment. Yeah. She's fantastic. Same here. But, yeah, no, I I am not surprised that he didn't get more attention, but I think he should be remembered because I think it was a good performance. Uh, For both of you, Black Swan or Jackie as far as Natalie Portman's performance goes? Oh, in terms of performance... I was going to say, in terms of movie, those two totally different things. Um, You know, Black Swan, I don't think her performance has aged as well because it it was such a retread of of, uh, the Red Shoes. Yeah. You know, that I think watching Natalie Portman be scared and sweaty and upset for however long that movie is doesn't work nearly as well i've always but then again i always thought mila kunis had the better role somewhat um and was able to have a bit more fun with it so performance wise i'm gonna say this i think the script helps a lot more it's a more nuanced performance she's allowed to have more gravity there um whereas with black swan i think a lot of it is the power of aronofsky kind of pulling her hmm and he's also a producer on this as well. He was supposed to direct it, apparently, hmm. until the last minute. I'm glad 
Lorraine got this chance. I'm gonna I'm gonna say also I prefer her performance in this. I just think it's generally more complex. Um, she is one of the most fascinating characters I've seen on screen in a while, at least the film's version of Jackie Onassis. So I I, I think absolutely this. I haven't seen Black Swan in years. I don't know if it's aged well, but I would say that the character on display in Black Swan was more thinly written, as much as I enjoyed that film. And the notes it gave her to play were interesting, but this just... I mean, she basically gets to display every single range of human emotion possible during this film. And I just think, I mean, that at the end of the day, that's not her fault in Black Swan, that she just wasn't written to have that much. But she's written so interestingly in here and has so much opportunity to show off every end of the Portman acting spectrum that I don't think she's ever done a poor performance as good as this. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's pass it off on to uh, final thoughts, grade out of 10. And instead of saying Oscar prospects, because, because we know what the Oscar prospects are at this point, Tell us what you actually see it getting nominated for. Um, let's start it off with Kristen. I really enjoy this. Um, it's got a great depiction of, of women, great depiction of women helping women, which is, again, also a rarity. Uh, the cast is really good. Uh, I could watch Natalie Portman and Billy Crudup talk about, I don't know, anything if they wanted to um, for, for a couple hours and I'd probably be really entertained. Um, so I really enjoyed this. I don't know, I always say a high grade is something that I consider perfection and that I would want to pop in on a Sunday and watch. This is probably a little too downbeat for that. Um, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I think it's really good. In terms of Oscar prospects that sound realistic, Portman's getting in. I mean, she's pretty much a, a done deal um, for actress. I I still say there's a chance for a picture nomination, but that's looking a little spotty. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Portman as a safe bet for now. All uh, right, so just Portman. Yeah. Jesus. Oof. You think it's completely shut out? Well, because it's not on the makeup and hairstyle, right? No. No, it's not. But what No, about? so that costumes? was my other... You don't think it's in for costumes? I could see that. I mean, but then again, I think that most people would just tout the pink, the suit, the pillbox hat. The rest of the costuming, I think, might just slip under the radar. Hmm. All right, well, what do you think? Uh, I will also give it an 8 out of 10. I really thought it was a very strong film. I am sad more people weren't affected by it emotionally. Um, you know, people got the same sort of quote-unquote cold criticisms that Carol got last year. Um, I would say, though, it can be a very emotional film. <laughs> I know anecdotal evidence doesn't help much, but there were people crying in my theater, which, I mean, it, it is a tragic story. So I, I hope more people see it. And I hope ultimately on nomination day... It does better than we're all expecting it to and that it has performed so far this season. I don't think Portman wins the Oscar. I still think Stone wins. I think that Portman would be a very deserving winner. She's locked for a nomination. Um, as far as anything else, I see it still getting in for costumes. I would like to think Mika Levy's score gets in as well. 
It's not locked. The music branch often has strange tastes and loves to surprise us, but I think it will get in there as well. Um, after seeing it, as well shot as it is, I'm no longer certain it gets in for cinematography, but I think it's there among seven or eight films that are competing for a cinematography nomination. And I would say it's unorthodox and excellent editing is not in for a nomination right now, but is once again in a mix of seven or eight films that's competing for a slot there. So I think it could get in there for those. But right now I'm just going to say Portman, uh, costume design, and score. Jesus, man. It's crazy because when I first saw this film a couple months ago, granted the field uh, for all these categories was uh, a little you know, a little open more, more so back then, but man, walking out of this film, uh, when I first seen it, I, I had this down for best picture, best director, screenplay. I even thought Sarsgaard had a chance. Um, like I was like saying this film could get like nine, 10 nominations and there are still people that still think that it can happen. Um, I'm not writing it off completely just yet, but yeah, this film is a little too melancholy for some out there. I mean, Kristen said it best before. This is not a film that you just regularly pop in on a Sunday. This is the kind of film that maybe you see one other time because you show it to somebody or something like that. And whoever that someone is, I, I'm sure you have a really great relationship with that person because <laughs> this is not a happy-go-lucky, feel-good kind of a film, that's for sure. Oh, and uh, Mike is going to make us feel stupid because he told us early on after he saw the film a few months back that he didn't predict it for more nominations than Portman and maybe one or two more. And we both told him he was an idiot. So we will get to Lord, his misspoken faith in the rules don't apply and likely his misspoken faith in Kevin Costner and hidden figures over him. But he does get to say, I told you so on Jackie, if it does in fact perform on a small scale with the academy if if jackie and arrival are two films that underperform an oscar nomination morning i will forever bow down to everything that michael says but until no, then no, we won't do that but until then uh i i refuse to do so um because this and arrival are two films that i think are going to do well uh with that said oscar prospects i think it's going to get in for best actress i think it's going to get in for score I have it getting in for production design, costume design, and maybe cinematography. Um, I'm considering dropping Live by Night out right now. So, and I don't think Lion is getting in. So I think Jackie could slide into cinematography there. So um, that would be a good haul for it. With that said, I'm giving this high. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Uh, I thought about it since I gave it that grade uh, back when I first saw it, and I thought to myself, maybe an eight, but I think the film has some tremendous staying power, and I think that the film works um, so well on a technical level, so well on a character level, and just well structurally as a story that how can I not give it the nine out of ten score? With that said... Alrighty, thank you so much for reviewing this film with, with me, guys. Uh, Kristen... Where can they find you on the internet? I am at Twitter at journeys underscore film. And Will, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. 
And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM Radio. If you want to leave us a review on any of these, particularly iTunes, please feel free to do so. We would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.